Christians all around the world have known who they believe. They serve God and surrender all to serve Him faithfully. But there are those who water down the truth that they once preached about. How can we stand idly by? We must keep the standard high. Stand strong, stand firm, represent the cross to all the world. Don't bend, don't break, stand for what is true and choose to stay. still have stayed. Christians, it is time to rise. The name of God proclaim. Stand strong, stand firm. Represent the cross to all the children of the King. Stand for Christ who called you to trust Him and obey. We must lift our banner high. Together we will stand. Stand strong. Stand strong. Stand firm. Represent the cross to all God will never let you stand alone. No, God will never let you stand alone. No, God will never let you stand alone. So stand strong. Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of John today, the book of John. We're going to begin in chapter 4.
14, John chapter 14. Over the course of the month, we've got four Sundays. Of course, we kick things off today for our Get Connected uh, campaign. And again, it's running through our Sunday schools, so it's part of that. We're going to invite, we'd like to invite each and every one of you to be a part of the Sunday school. The men are meeting over in the rally room on that end of the building. The ladies are meeting upstairs in the rally, rooms, rally room over there. And uh, all those teens and up are together for just the next three Sundays now. But we met together today, went over all the details. You can still join in, be a part of it. We'd love to have you. And uh, it's a competition. And uh, we want to try to see which the guys or the girls are going to have the most people in their seats every week as it accumulates through the month. Now, over the course of the month here in the auditorium, I'm going to bring a series called Connect with God. And so today we're going to just talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to connect through the Bible, connect through prayer, and connect through the local church over the next couple of weeks. And so we'll be looking at that as we move along. But today I want to begin in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, if you would. And we're going to read a familiar passage to many. Not all, possibly, but to many. You've heard this passage before, but let's kick things off with connect with God. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The disciples, of course, are extremely discouraged at this point. The Lord Jesus Christ has implied and even shared the news that not everyone's going to be thrilled that he is going to Jerusalem. Not everybody is going to want to pat him on the back and say, good job. The fact is, is that Jesus Christ is going to go to Jerusalem and there he's going to be brought into the well, into a, just a mock trial. The leadership there is going to try and do their best to condemn him to death. And we know they're going to win, aren't they? They're going to get their way. And ultimately, we're going to hear the words, crucify him, and he's going to hang on a cross and die. And the disciples are extremely discouraged now for fear of what is going to transpire and take place. And so as they're depressed, as they're discouraged, as they're down in the dumps, Jesus tells them, listen, not, don't, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. And he says, this place isn't all there is. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's, it's many mansions and there. You'll have your mansion. And I just want you to know that I'm coming back for you. I'll not leave you here alone. And then the disciples hear something else. Turn, if you would, over to... John chapter 14, now just a few verses over, verse 16. I'm coming back, yes, and I'll return for you, and that where I am there you may be also. And i got to believe that these disciples might have been thinking, yeah, but what do we do in the meantime? Okay, you're coming back. Are you coming back immediately? Are you going to come back within a week? Is it going to be a month, a year? What are you talking about? I mean, we're discouraged. We need you now. Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 14, now verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. 
And so Jesus says, yes, I get it. I know and I understand. You want me there. You want me to bring comfort to you and strength. And I've told you I'm coming back for you. And I've prepared a mansion for you. And where I am there, you may be also. But what do you do in the meantime? Well, yeah, I get it. You know, I'm going to send another comforter. Don't worry, we won't be disconnected for long. Don't worry, you won't be on your own forever. No, I'll be back and we'll be reconnected. And how's that going to work? Well, I'm going to send another comforter. And you see here, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. He said, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The comforter. Now there's a connection. There's a connection. And that's a connection with God. A very powerful one and a very needful one. And so I want to talk a little bit about that element. I want to talk to you a little bit about the fact. Two little thoughts today is all I want to mention. One, we're not complete till we're connected with God. And number two, you can't be content until you're connected with God. And so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll look at that thought Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you do for us. We need you today. Be glorified in this service. Now fill me with your spirit. Lord, let me be your mouthpiece. I pray that you'd be with each and every listening ear, that, Father, you would anoint those ears as well. Lord, may we leave here having heard from you. May we, Father, receive from heaven today and from your blessed book, the Word of God. May your Holy Spirit drive home truth that can be applied in our lives. Lord, help us now. Lord, it's not enough to hear me, a mere man. They need to see you, the Master, and a Take your truths and, Father, apply them to their lives. And, Lord, I pray that you would just work in our hearts today in the midst. May you be glorified in everything that's said and done. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. What we learn from that passage and we recognize the fact that we're not complete till we connect with God. The disciples were really upset. They were concerned because when Jesus was going to leave, they thought to themselves, my, oh, my, there's going to be a part of us missing. And so we're not really complete till we connect with God. Do you realize that in the beginning there was a garden? And that there man was complete. When man was in the garden, he was firing on all cylinders. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We go all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the book of beginnings. And we recognize in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that man, mankind, if you will, was firing on all cylinders. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God created mankind in his image and likeness. But I want you to note there was a change that took place. Turn to Genesis chapter 5 now, please. Mankind is found in the image of God, in the likeness of God. But in Genesis chapter 5, notice in beginning in verse 1 what it says. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. 
Male and female created he them. We just read about that, and that's fine. And it says that he blessed them, but hold on. And he called their name Adam in the day that they were created. Here it is now, verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in God's likeness and in God's image. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that, does it? It says, and he begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and he called his name Seth. Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. However, his offspring are now in the image and likeness of their dad and no longer God's image and likeness. What in the world happened? What transpired? What took place? Well, turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, please. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. There in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We remember that garden, and we, we know that God placed Adam and Eve in the midst of that garden, and he told them that they were willing, they were permitted to eat of every tree in the garden, except for the tree in the midst of the garden, except for that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there, they were able to eat and enjoy and fellowship and just succeed and live victorious lives there in the garden. However, we know that that subtle serpent, Satan, He showed up and tempted Eve, and we know that ultimately Eve offered that fruit to her husband who willingly chose to sin against God and to disobey God. And when he disobeyed God, when he willingly turned his back on the commands of Scripture and a command of the Lord, the Bible says that sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so, as a result, death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. Oh, yes, I know that Adam still lived for 900 plus years. At least his body did. However, a part of him died that day. His spirit, in a sense, died that day. Therefore, mankind is incomplete in his or her present state. Turn, if you would, to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Paul, when writing to the Thessalonians, he points out that the man or that mankind is comprised of three compartments or three parts. Notice what he says over there in the book of 1 Thessalonians. He says in chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to note here the three parts that are being expressed. He notes notes that your whole spirit, your soul, 
and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord. Now, before we go any further, because I know someone is intelligent in here is thinking, wait a second, you just told us that mankind is incomplete and that the spirit compartment died or a portion of himself died and therefore he's incomplete. And yet we find over here in the book of Thessalonians that mankind is body, soul, and spirit. He's complete there. Hold on. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the Thessalonians. He's speaking to a church body. And may I say that it is impossible, at least biblically, to be a part of the local church without first being part of the body of Christ. Do you realize that only those that are, you, you say, what's one of the prerequisites for church membership here, preacher? To be scripturally saved and born again. You have to be scripturally saved. You have to be in the body of Christ. You have to have received the Lord Christ into your life as Savior and Lord. And may I say that when Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica, he is speaking to a saved body. You say, you believe everybody sitting in there was saved? Maybe not, but they're supposed to be. And so he's addressing everyone that's a member and part of the body of that church in Thessalonica. And they are born again, saved believers. Oh, there might have been a few that crept in unaware. There may be some that are in need of salvation, but he's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to the church. And the church is comprised of a saved body. And a saved body has a body, soul, and spirit. Each one of us that knows Christ, that has received Christ, is complete in Him. I mean, what happened between birth and the church then? What happened back here in the creation and ultimately in the church now? How did we go from having a part missing in our being to being complete in Christ? Salvation. That's the answer. Salvation. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. This verse reinforces both places. The creation and the fall of man and the church that Paul is now Addressing. Notice it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you hath he quickened. That word quickened means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Adam, he was made in the image and the likeness of God. He had a body, a soul, and a spirit. But when he sinned against God, something died that day. He physically continued to live. However, he was not the same. His spirit died that day. His ability to connect with God had been severed. Where once he walked in the cool of the day, where once he fellowshiped with the creator of the universe, now he was separated from God, removed from the garden And you and I both know if we read our Bibles that ultimately God had to create 
coats of skin for them, which means that an animal was sacrificed, which means blood had to be shed, which means there had to be someone that interceded on their behalf. Why? Because the connection had been broken because of sin. But now we see Paul, the apostle. Paul, the apostle, is writing now to the church a a, a body of saved, born-again believers, and, and he's speaking to them and saying, you are body, soul, and spirit. You are complete in Christ Jesus. Where once there was a part of you that was dead, it's been quickened and made alive in Christ Jesus. We've been restored, if you will. Reclaimed. Renewed. Regenerated. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 goes on to say, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace ye are saved. Oh boy, if there was any doubt as to what has to transpire in order to be made complete and connected with God again, we find it right here. For by grace are ye saved. They've been made alive through salvation. Through receiving and accepting Christ. Look if you would in John chapter 3 please. Jesus is dealing with Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, as he deals with Nicodemus, he's going to share a spiritual truth that Nicodemus honestly struggled with. Although he was of the Sanhedrin, although he was a very wise man, a rich man, a a ruler in in Israel, he still struggled with this truth. Notice what he said. Jesus speaking to him, as Nicodemus came to him at night, and Jesus finally answered and said unto him in chapter 3, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I want you to note a couple things. Number one, the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom then. In order to see it and experience it, something must take place. Well, what is that? A person, according to the Scripture and according to Jesus, must be born again. That's what he says in the passage. We've got to be born again. Now, here's the thing. There are obviously more than, uh, more than one birth then. According to the passage, there are two births. One, he says, likens it to water. And there's not a woman in the house that's had a baby that doesn't understand a little bit about that water. You're going to have a baby physically, you're going to have some water. And when it decides to go, it don't matter where you're at, it goes. 
And then comes the baby. Born of water. Physical. But then he also mentions this one. The spiritual. So we have one birth is a physical birth. Represented by water, according to Jesus. And now we have a second one, which is a spiritual birth, represented by the Spirit. Jesus says, very simply in the passage, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's two births. Wait a second. It's interesting also to note that there are also two deaths. And these correspond with the two births. Look, if you would, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. This is really important to understand. Because if there are two births, then it would make sense that there are at least two deaths then. And there are. That's what he says in, notice what he says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. He says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Wait a second now. So there are two births. There's this birth where physically I was born, but then there's also to be another birth, which is a spiritual birth that ultimately enables me to see and experience the kingdom of God. But wait, there's also two deaths. There's this death, physical, and according to the passage, there's this death. Being cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. First death, Second death, cast into the lake of fire. First birth, I won't try to picture that one. I'll only say this. New birth or spiritual birth, woohoo, saved, born again. Two births, two deaths. Interesting, isn't it? It's interesting how the Bible fits together. And the truth is, is that today, you and I are incomplete if indeed we are without Jesus Christ then. We need to be connected. We need to be made alive spiritually. We must receive Christ into our life in order to be complete. Because all the way back in Genesis, when Adam chose to rebel and disobey God, the spirit died in him and he was incomplete. And now God said, you need to connect with me. You've got to be quickened. You have to experience the new birth. Because the spirit is dead. And it must be made alive again.
Well, why did God send Jesus? To provide a means by which you and I could connect with him. That's why. In John chapter 3, verse 16, you probably know the passage by heart, and if not, you'll hear parts of it and you'll know it. You'll remember it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What's the passage saying? It's saying, I don't want you to experience the second death. I want you to live forever. I don't want you to spend eternity dying in a place called the lake of fire. I want you to spend eternity with me living. That's what it's saying. And that's why I sent my son. That's why he died on that cross. That's why he was permitted the very creation that he made to mock, malign, and mistreat him. That's why he allowed them to pluck his beard and to beat him to a pulp and to place a crown of thorns upon his head. That's why he permitted them to drive him up to Mount Calvary where there they nailed his hands and his feet to a cross and placed him between heaven and hell. Because he wanted to give us an opportunity to connect again. To be connected with God. To be complete again. When that spirit compartment died, the connection was lost. When we invite Christ into our life, we're quickened and made alive again unto God. And the connection is completed. It's not enough to say a prayer. Because that's not what really we do to be saved. Praying alone doesn't save anyone. Saying a particular prayer is not enough. Because there's more taking place than simply praying to God. There's a connection being made. There's a quickening that's taking place. There's a renewal that happens. There's something being made alive, and that's the spirit of man between him and God, between her and God. Oh, I got saved in church. Okay, if you did, and truly did, according to the word of God, then there was a connection. You were connected to God that day. There was something that happened within. Something was changed. You were made alive. You were quickened. You were regenerated. Something happened that day that's totally and completely supernatural. Amen. And now you're connected. And you can communicate with God. And he can communicate with you. You're restored, in a sense, to pre-fall days. Now, like Adam, before he sinned against God, who was created in the image and likeness of God, who had all body, soul, and spirit, that is now you in Christ Jesus. That's me in Christ Jesus. Connected again. Again, he desires that we are connected with him. 
That's why he sent Jesus to pay our sin debt so that we could be brought into fellowship with him. That's how much he loves us. That God, the creator himself, became man and took our place on a cruel cross. He was all man. He was all God simultaneously. And he took our place. He could not have died as God. He had to die as a man. He could not have understood your infirmities, nor could he have understood mine if he hadn't been a man. And you say, that's crazy. If he wasn't God, then what was he? A mystery. We talked about it Wednesday night. It's one of the mysteries of the Bible, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God in flesh. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. Today, Jesus Christ stands with outstretched arms seeking to connect with you, if you haven't already. In Matthew 11, verse 28, the Bible says, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like that verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There we see Jesus with his arms wide open. Come unto me. Come unto me. I'm here. I have paid the penalty for sin. I died on the cross. I substituted my broken body and perfectly shed blood for you. You need only come to me now so that we can connect. See, God is not responsible to connect with you now. You are responsible to connect with him. He has provided every opportunity for you to connect and for me to connect. And now it's up to you to take that step to him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You and I must come to him now in order to connect and to be restored. Why is it that we knock on doors? To remind people what Jesus Christ did and that they need to come to him. Because he's already come on behalf of them by dying and taking their place on Calvary. And I know someone's thinking out there, well, we don't seek after God. I know Romans chapter 3, I understand that. And you're right, we don't. But Jesus Christ sought you out at Calvary. How much more does Jesus have to do for you? We live in a generation and a day-to-day where everybody wants people to do for them no matter what they do in return. Well, you owe me good service whether I tip you or not. I pay your bills. I take care of you. I do all this for you. You don't even know it, but you just need to, you know what, whether or not I'm a good kid or not, you need to treat me with respect, Mom. I can live how I want to live. I can do what I want to do. and I can disrespect you if I want, but you have to respect me. That's about how it is today in our culture. I can treat you like we used to say in the South, dookie. But you got to treat me like I'm special. 
and I'm somebody. What is wrong with that attitude? How is it that we can expect people to respond to us with kindness and with consideration and respect when we treat others without it? How much does a mother or father have to do to get you as a young person to obey them and to do what they asked you to do? Is it enough that they provide a roof over your head, that they put clothes on your back, that they put food in your bellies, that they pray for you and love you and try to do what they can to meet your needs? Is that enough? No, I'm going to do what I want to do. I see. You know what? That's not much different than us adults here, by the way. We like to pick on teenagers, but teenagers aren't the only ones like, that are human beings. We are too. How much does God have to do to win you over? What does he have to do to get you to say, okay, I'm laying, I'm raising up the white flag. I'm surrendering to you, Lord Jesus. I'm coming to you after all. What's he have to do? Give you a million dollars in your bank? Does he have to give you the prettiest wife on the block? Does he have to give you a husband like me? Hey, what's he got to do? Well, he's got to seek me out. He already did. Man, he forgave himself for you. He literally laid his life down for you. He left heaven for you. He became poor for you who was rich. So that you could be rich, he says. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Man, I'll do that for you, he says. I'll do that. I've already provided. I've already made the way possible. And you can be complete today, he says, in me. Very quickly, not only do we find that we're not complete till we connect with God, but we're not content till we connect with God. The, the idea, and some Christians lose sight of this, but they somehow believe that once they've connected through the new birth, once Jesus Christ has moved into their life, once they became part of the family of God, once communication's been restored, then, well, he's my father, and like any good dad, he's going to take care of me no matter what I do, what I say, where I go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on now. Listen, there's a void that exists in all mankind, and it, it starts, obviously, from the moment we're born. It's already there. It's innate. It's within us. At the deepest depths of humanity, the soul cries out for completeness. We understand that, and that completeness we saw is in Christ and Him in us. But you know that we notice in our culture, and we, we see it around us, even in Christianity, that man continues to search women continue to search for completeness and a desire to be made whole. Human beings pursue a number of avenues in order to fulfill that longing within. Just because Christ has come into your life doesn't mean that you are permitting him to fill that void. Have you ever known a child who will not accept your love 
or the love of a family member or friend or somebody that cares about them. I mean, they will not accept that love. Listen, I love you, and you try, get away from me. You don't love me. Nobody loves me. You know, I think God sometimes feels that from even his own children sometimes. He comes along and he says, listen, I want to love on you a while. I want to meet your every need. I want to make you complete and whole. And you say, no, I've got my own solution for that. I don't need your love. I'll find it somewhere else. And so the world, including some believers even, they pursue pleasure. They pursue possessions. They pursue prominence. Sadly, those pursuits, whether in a saved or lost person's life, never fully fulfill the person. Oh, they may temporarily meet a need, but they eventually leave us empty and wanting. May I say that it's not a fix-all. Receiving Christ may restore communication. It may bring us into the connection that's needed and necessary. It may provide us with an eternal home, but it doesn't always guarantee peace and purpose and joy and satisfaction in our life. It's interesting, our Constitution says that we're guaranteed the pursuit of happiness. Well, we've missed that today. For some reason, we're raising a generation where we're saying it's not the pursuit that you're guaranteed, it is happiness you're guaranteed. No, you're not guaranteed happiness, by the way. None of us are. Even according to our own Constitution, we're not. It's the pursuit. Well, wait a second. In Christianity, sometimes, if we're not careful, we think God owes us happiness. We have to pursue him and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us, he says. Now you have the opportunity to be fulfilled. Now you have the opportunity to enjoy the, 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 the fellowship with the creator. You're able to be complete in a way that you never could have prior to receiving the Lord. I'm not saying that you're not complete body, soul, spirit, but boy, I'll tell you there's a difference when you have yielded your life, your all, to Jesus Christ and allowed him to have his rightful place on the throne of your life, then, and only then, are we truly content as believers. David, like all believers, continued to need God in his life. In Psalm chapter 143, verse 6, the Bible says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee, my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Boy, he had a desire and a longing for Christ in his life. He wanted God to be so real to him. Once we've been made complete, once the connection's been made, once we've invited Christ into our life, and we're now body, soul, spirit, Christ himself is living in us. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. God, I need you, God. I want more of you, God. I'm not satisfied with anything in this world. It's you I need. That's what will bring contentment. That kind of connection between God and his children. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. This morning, 
Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Will you choose to be complete today by being born again, saved, or quickened? All three of those mean the same thing. They point to a day and a time and a place when you acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. The sinner that Jesus Christ died for that day. The sinner that God sent his son for and on behalf. The sinner that God loved even though we were so unlovable. And you recognized that sin and you confessed it and you humbled yourself before God and you said, oh, I don't want this sin ruling in my life. I don't want sin to be the mark of my person. I want you to be the one that stands out, not my sinfulness. I can't stand it, Lord. I need you in my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of that sin. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to be my Savior and Lord today because I need to be complete in you. I've been disconnected because of that old sinful nature of Adam. And I know it rules in my life, but I don't want it to rule anymore. I want you to rule. And I'm calling on you today. For God, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, come into my life. Be my Savior. I can't do this without you. It demands a humbling. You don't add Christ to your list of sins or God's. He is exclusive. When I went to the altar with my wife that day, years ago now, almost 35 years, I did not say, Lord, I did not say, will you take Sherry to be your offer? Blah, 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 blah. Will you, nah, 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 nah. And then she said, will you take Sherry? When I made that vow, I made it to her and to God between the two of them. I, I didn't, there was nobody else included. There was not, I'll take that harem of women. I got a harem now. I didn't do that. Will thou take Sherry and whomever you choose? No, it was exclusive. I made a decision for one that day. You know what? When you come to that altar to receive Christ, you're coming to accept one that day. Only one God, only one Savior, and that's Jesus and Him alone. No one else. Have you put your faith and trust in Him? Or are you still operating and functioning on only two of the three? Body and soul, but the Spirit's still dead. There's no real connection between you and God. Well, I feel like there's a connection. I don't care what you feel like. I'm asking you, have you indeed invited Christ into your life and been made complete? Because that's the only way you can be complete. It's not enough to feel complete. You have to be complete. Let your car be without one of its cylinders and see how it runs. Well, I feel like this is a good car. Well, then you drive it, because I'm not. <laughs> You're saved today. Will you continue to thirst for God and strive to draw nigh to Him? Listen, we're not complete, nor are we content until we are connected with God. Let's get connected with Him. If you're lost today, and there's never been a time when you've come to Jesus Christ, settle that today. Come to Christ. His arms are open, and He's inviting you to come to Him. Will you trust him? Will you receive him today? Will you be made complete in Christ? And as a believer, will you just lay down, lay down your own desires and say, Lord, I'm putting up the white flag. 
I'm not going to fight with you no more. I'm not going to battle with you or I'm not going to search and seek for other things to fulfill and to satisfy and to ultimately make me feel complete. I'm running up the white flag. I'm only going to just reach out to you. I'm going to stretch forth my hands unto you. I want to be complete in you. Not just in salvation, but in my life in general. Boy, Jesus is the way to completeness. Connect with God today. You'll never regret it. Father, we come to you. We ask, dear God, that you'd speak to our hearts today, that you'd work in our lives. Again, Lord, we thank you for the simplicity of your word and, Lord, just the fact that, Father, you have allowed us and given us the opportunity to be connected with you. It's, it's really hard to even imagine that you, a perfect, holy, righteous God, the creator of all the universe, would want anything to do with us anyway but then to connect with us in a way where we can communicate freely, where we can literally fellowship with you consistently, where our being is transformed and changed, where we are made whole. Thank you so much for the many blessings. And Lord, for those that are Christians today, we pray that, Lord, they would throw down, they'd raise up the white flag, if you will. They'd surrender their life to you, that they would begin to reach out as the psalmist david did and stretch forth their hands unto you and thirst after you like never before that they too can experience that completeness the satisfaction that cometh only by being connected with you in the proper way lord we love you now we need you we'll thank you in christ's name amen let's all stand every head bowed every eye closed